Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we're in the Gospel of Matthew and... We've been looking at the life of the great king, Jesus. And particularly in chapters 8 and 9, we're looking at the compassion of Jesus. And that's something I think that we need to remind ourselves a lot of times is because we we kind of lose sense that God cares about us or that God's even aware of what's going on in our lives. Because the reality is, folks, if you live this life, especially if you get older, you realize that life is, yes, it's filled with joys, yes, it's filled with wonderful moments, but a lot of times it's filled with heartache and things that happen that are completely out of your control. Do you know what I mean? There's Stuff happens that you just kind of shake your head at, like, why did this happen? Where did this come from? You know what I'm saying? Chaos erupts. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you had chaos in your life lately? If you're saying no... Wait, it'll come. You know what I'm saying? It'll come. That's, that's, you can, you know, you heard nothing sure like death and taxes. Chaos is sure too. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? You don't even have to look for it. It just happens. And, and the reality is, is that you and I, we are sometimes filled with raw emotions. Do you know what I mean by that? Raw emotions. You ever have one of those days? You ever have one of those months? So literally, sometimes it's like a month of raw emotions. And here's what I mean by that. Two things. That no matter what we do, we're never prepared for the unexpected. No matter what we do, you're never prepared for the unexpected. I remember when, we, when I'm 25 years ago, when, when I met Lori, was, I was renting a, a townhouse and I had some roommates from the university and some of my roommates got into financial planning. And they were giving me the line about how I should be investing for the future. And they showed me these charts, you know, if you made this much, and, you know, if you if you invested this much, and, and all of their charts always showed how that would increase, like this, if you think about it, a big line just continuing to go up. And then when I retire, I'll be set. Have you ever heard those kind of presentations? Well, when you're 20-some years old, I think I was 25 then. Yeah, of course I was 25. That sounds great. That, But go on and live life for a while, and then you realize we've had a couple of market crashes in between then, and the value of what you put in is not even there now, 25 years later. And then you're like, wow. No matter what you do to prepare for the unexpected, you're never prepared. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because we always think, I can just put it off. I'm okay. We're okay. We're going to be okay. And then, boom, something happens out of the blue. Sometimes it's maybe a job loss. Sometimes it's a health issue. Sometimes it's a family crisis. Sometimes it's other things that you never expected. And the emotions, you know how you feel during that time. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know how I feel. I look calm, cool, and collective. But Lori will tell you that sometimes I'm When a crisis happens, I'm like, ah, she's the calm one in the house. And the emotions are raw. Do you know what I'm saying? The emotions are raw because we don't 
know what to do, even though we've tried to prepare. Now, here's what we do. Here's the second thing I want you to see that we do. We react as we question God's faithfulness. We react as we question God's faithfulness. You, you, you will not believe the number of times as pastor when I've gone over to people's homes after they've gone through a crisis and you walk into a living room and you're there to just be there for them. You're there just to encourage them through the stuff they're going through. And the first thing out of someone's mouth is, why is God doing this to me? I don't know how to answer that. I have an answer, but you're not going to accept my answer at that point because the reality is, is God isn't doing it to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's life. And the reason why I don't answer is because I recognize there's a greater issue here. The greater issue is, is that what's going on is a reaction. And in the midst of the reaction, you are going to question, are you ready for this? You're going to question God's faithfulness. Is he truly caring for me? Does he truly love me? Does he truly know what's going on? And sometimes we enter into this thought process that if he loves me and cares for me, he's supposed to, supposed to buffer me, he's supposed to protect me from all bad things. Have you noticed that? And then when the bad things happen, you must not love me, God. You must not care for me. See, those are the raw emotions that go on. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'll be honest with you folks. I'll just be right there with you. I've had them. I've experienced them. I'd like to say that I've gotten over it. You know what I'm saying? I'm 50 years old. I'm a pastor. I'd like to say that I've matured spiritually to the point where that's no longer an issue. But you know what? I'm thinking back in the last six months, I've had raw emotions. I've had times of questioning God's faithfulness. So if that's true for me, what is it for you? See, this is real for us, isn't it? This is real. This is why the Word of God can come along and speak to us in the midst of the reality of our life. What do you mean, speak to us in the midst of the reality of our life? Well, let's look at, look, let's look at chapter 8 because we're looking at just a minor incident. It's almost insignificant. If you're just kind of reading through the passage, you, you would take note of it and say, oh yeah, that's cool for Jesus to do that. But there's so much more here that you need to see. So we're going to look at verses 23 through 27. It's an incident you probably have, you've read it before. It probably seems very almost insignificant because it's typical for Jesus. But it communicates some truth for you and I because we do live, let's be honest folks, we do live in a world of chaos. Do you understand what I'm saying? We live in a world of chaos. Because no matter what we do to try to protect ourselves, and you notice that we do do that, right? So let's just stop for a moment before I go on any further. Do, do we all recognize that we do that? Because we don't like to be what? Hurt. And you will do whatever you can to keep from getting hurt. So look at what it says here. Look with me, verse 23. Now when he got into a boat... His disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves. But as he was asleep, then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds, and the sea, 
and there was great calm. Then the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these few verses, and we're going to really divide them into three additional sections. We're going to look at, first of all, the panic, which we can relate to. We're going to see the panic. We're going to see the assessment. We're going to see what Jesus' assessment is of his disciples. And really, to be honest with you, it's almost his assessment of us, to be honest with you. And then we're going to see the calming reality. Because in the midst of the chaos that we go through, folks, we're going to need to experience the calming reality of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So let's let's look at the panic, first of all, the one that we can relate to, the one that we can understand. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, we're easily overwhelmed by sudden calamity. We're easily overwhelmed. I don't care how much you think you got your act together. I don't think how much you think you're in control. You let something unexpected happen that you have no control over, that you don't have the resources for, that you don't have the brain power for, that you don't even have the strength for, and you're going to get immediately, in in the midst of it, you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be stressed out. And some of you carry it differently. Some of you carry the emotion on your sleeves so that everybody sees it and you're like, ah! And some of you are just silent, but you're like a soothing boiler waiting to explode. The fact of the matter is, is that we are easily overwhelmed by sudden calamity. Here's what's going on with these guys. They get on a boat. They're on the Sea of Galilee. And one of the things that the Sea of Galilee is known for is this. Because it's a lake situated near the Mediterranean Sea, but also close to the desert. There's almost like this factor going on in meteorology that that is conducive for these violent storms. What do you mean? Well, they get the cold, moist air coming off of the ocean, meeting the hot air coming off of the desert, and it's going down into this basin, which is known as the Sea of Galilee. It's it's a prime breeding ground, are you ready for this, for an instant storm. And that's what happens there. So they're on the on the sea, they're kind of rowing, going along, sailing along the sea. All of a sudden, these, these weather factors happen, and all of a sudden, they've got this huge calamity happening of this storm with waves that are threatening to overthrow them. It's kind of like being on Lake Erie. You ever been on Lake Erie? or heard about Lake Erie, where all of a sudden you could have calm seas and the winds blow up and all of a sudden you got three-foot-high waves. That's what they're facing here. And they're overwhelmed. And and it's, it's interesting to me. When you read this, stop for a moment. Think about who you're talking about. It's the disciples. Some of them are what? Fishermen. Who are used to fishing on what? The Sea of Galilee. So this must be something pretty tremendous that they're what? Overwhelmed. It's out of their control. So we're easily overwhelmed by sudden calamity. That's the first thing I want you to see about the panic. The second thing I want you to see is, is that in our desperation, we think that Jesus is unaware. I mean, think about it for a moment. They're in the boat. They're going along and seas. The things are good. They're doing everything they can. They're panicking. Guess who's sleeping? Jesus is. Now let's just stop for a moment. You've got to be pretty in control of yourself to just go ahead and sleep through a storm, right? 
You know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm I'm 50, and there are still times like if it's really bad outside, I'm wondering what's happening to the house. Do you know what I'm saying? Because when I was younger, I'd be like, what's going on? You know, but now when I'm older, I'm like, what's going on? Am I going to have to pay for something? But you've got to be pretty calm and in control to be sleeping. But here's what happens. That calmness can freak out other people. Do you know what I'm saying? That calmness in the midst of calamity can freak out other people. And so here's what's going on. Here they are. They're all panicked because of this calamity that's beyond them. And there's Jesus sleeping. And what can happen is, is that in our desperation, we think that Jesus is unaware. See, that's why we react. That's why we think that Jesus doesn't care. Why did you do this to me, Lord? Why'd you let this happen? Do you not care for me? Do you not love me? Think about the things that we say. It's because we think he's asleep. We think he's unaware. That's all part of the panicking process that's going on in our lives. If you think for a moment, think back to the last time a crisis has happened. Maybe you're in the midst of the crisis right now. If you're questioning God's faithfulness, listen to me, if you're questioning God's faithfulness, stop for a moment and ask yourself the question, why are you thinking that way? I can almost guarantee you that it will trace a line right to the thought, he's not there for me. He doesn't seem to be aware. He doesn't care. Did you understand what I'm saying? See, this is the panic that's going on in their lives. This is the panic. So they wake Jesus up, and it, it, to me... When you look at how, look, well, let's just read it. Look at here, look with me. Then the disciples came to him, verse 25, and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. Verse 26, look at what Jesus says. First thing out of his mouth. Then he said to them, why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Now notice now, he gets up, he, he awakes, his, the attention that he gives to is not the stuff that's going on. Have you noticed that? That's the point here. The stuff that's going on isn't even there in his mind. His attention is to the reaction of his disciples. Do you notice that? He's not even concerned about that he's on a boat that might get capsized. He's concerned about the attitude and the actions of his disciples. Isn't that interesting? Because I want you to see a couple things here. Look at what he's concerned about. Number one, look at what here. First of all, his assessment. He recognizes a lack of faith. What do you mean, George? Look at what he calls him. Oh, you of what? Little faith. Now, let me just stop for a moment. I need to help you to understand. When we talk about faith here, I'm not just talking about simple belief. Because first of all, if you were to say to them, do you believe he's the Messiah? Oh, yeah, they believe. Do you believe he can heal? Oh, yeah, we've seen it. Do you believe that he can take care of... Oh, yeah, we believe. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the issue? What's the lack of faith here? The lack of faith, listen to me, is trust. They're having a problem. Are you listening to me? Trusting. See, Jesus recognizes a lack of faith. He recognizes that they're having a problem trusting. Now, think for a moment. You and I can relate right to that. Why? Because you think about the crisis that you go through. 
You think about the calamity that you're in, the chaos that's happening. You're questioning God's faithfulness. It's not that you don't believe in him, okay? It's not that you don't believe in him. It's that you have a problem with trusting him. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if you didn't believe in him, you wouldn't even bother talking to him about the issue. The problem that you have is an issue of trusting him to take care of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a lack of what? Faith. It's a lack of trust. So he recognizes, his assessment of his disciples is, is that he recognizes the lack of faith. Here's what else he recognizes about them, and I think we can all relate to this. He sees the dominance of fear. Look at what he says, verse 26. Why are you fearful? This is what he sees. He sees the dominance of fear in their lives. Think about it for a moment. You're in the midst of whatever you're going on. I can almost guarantee you that there is one factor that is haunting you, keeping you up at night, eating your lunch. You're thinking about all day long. Well, I'm thinking about the problem. Yeah, but you're afraid of the problem. You're filled with fear. Fear is controlling you. Do you understand? And here's the thing. Can I, can I, can can I, can I just make you aware of something? Maybe you're not aware of this. You're a control freak. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Because I'm a control freak. I'm a control freak, so I recognize that everybody else is a control freak as well, okay? We like to be in control, and when when things are not in our control, we get all out of whack because we're afraid of what might happen because we're no longer in control. You're a control freak. Look to your neighbor right now and just say to him, you know, you need to realize you're a control freak. Some of you are like, I don't like hearing that. You are. You are, and the problem is, is when chaos happens, and we react, and we panic, it's not just that we're having problems with trusting people, the problem is, is you are filled with fear. What am I afraid of? The unknown. You ever ever had somebody say, I like surprises, don't ruin my surprises? That's not completely true. What they mean is they like pleasant surprises. But the reality is, is we all do not like and we all fear the unpleasant, the unknown. That's that's what I want you to understand. Because what happens with the unknown is, is we are no longer in control. We don't like that. And we react to that. And we begin to question God's faithfulness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now look, let me just stop for a moment. Isn't it interesting? Why does God allow this stuff to happen to us? Oh, you know, it's like, why does God allow suffering? You hear that question, it's a philosophical question. Nobody has a complete answer for it. But we can see different illusions in the Bible. One of the things that we can see about why God allows this stuff to happen in our lives because it drives us, are you ready for this? It drives us to him. Because it's only when you come to an end of yourself that you realize you can't live this life without him. 
And as long as you're self-sufficient, as long as you think you're in control, and as long as you think you've got it together, you're never really going to find him. You're never really going to find him. So here's what I want you to see. The, the reality is, is that Jesus' assessment of us is that we lack faith, we have a lack of faith, and that we're dominated by fear. Now here's what I want you to see, the common reality. Look at what he does. Even though he makes this assessment of him, verse 26, 27, look at what it says there. Then he arose, rebuked the winds, rebuked the, excuse me, then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Here's what I want you to see. First thing, Jesus shows that he has power over the chaos. You know, I I would like to witness witness this. I'll just be flat out honest with you. I... You ever ever want to, when you're reading the Bible and you're reading these things about Jesus, you're just like, man, I would love to have seen that. But then the, the thought occurs to me, you don't need to. You don't need to see that incident because how many times have you seen God speak calmness into other areas of chaos in your life? He has, hasn't he, folks? He has shown himself mighty many times in our lives, has he not? And you need to remember that. See, he, he shows that he has power over the chaos. And what we need to do is, is, is rest in him. See, what happens is, is you and I, we get all worked up. Oh, oh what is this? Oh. And, and the reality is, is what we need to do is rest and trust in the one who has power to overcome anything. We may not understand why. And he may not even tell us why. A lot of times he doesn't even tell you why. But your rest is in the one who has power over the chaos. And notice what happens. He comes and sees and look at their reaction. And I'll explain to you why they react that way. Look at what they said. Look at verse 27. Then the men marveled, saying, Who is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? <clears throat> One of the interesting things about Jewish culture, especially in their age, is this. It comes out a lot in the Old Testament prophets, is in the Jewish mind at the time, the sea was seen as a place of chaos. The sea was often seen as a place of evil. This comes out in Isaiah's prophecies. And the reality is is that to them, the sea was a place of chaos because there's no way that anybody can control the sea. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that you can't... How many of you love going to the beach? I love going to the beach. You love going to the beach? I love going to the beach, okay? And I remember as a boy growing up in South Carolina, my family would take we would go camping down at Edisto Island in South Carolina, beautiful beach down there. And we would spend whole weeks there in a camper. And we would go out to the beach during the day, and my mama would always say, now you stay right in front of me. 
And as a boy, we would go out into the waves. Now, if you notice, the waves just don't come straight in. They come at an angle. And so I'm constantly fighting the waves because no matter how much I'm trying to stay in front of mom, I'm always ending up 15 feet or 15 yards or 20 yards down the beach because that's where the waves drive me because nobody can control. If you notice that, you can't control the seas. And so in the Jewish mind, nobody can control the seas except one person, God. So there they are. They're on this sea, the Sea of Galilee. A tempest comes up. Suddenly there's total chaos, which is normal. They're frantic. They're panicking. They wake up Jesus. Jesus gives his assessment of who they are. Then he speaks a word. And by speaking the word, he calms the seas and the winds cease. And so there they are. They're catching what's going on here because, you know, for us, it'd be like, wow, that's a cool miracle. But for them, it had greater significance because you have to understand their mindset. Nobody can control the seas except one person. And that one person is God. Here's the point I want you to see. The calming reality. You have to wrestle with who he is. You have to wrestle with who he is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's what goes on. Every time I I face a calamity, I'll just talk about here even in the last year, okay? Or some of the difficulties and struggles that I've been, and, and I, I tell you what, when I go through it, I don't, I don't go through it in a day. Sometimes it lasts two or three months, okay? That I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling with who God is. And, and that's the question. When you are going through the midst of it, you're going to start wrestling with not just the problem or the issue. You're going to wrestle with, listen to me, you're going to wrestle with the very nature of the God you believe in. And that's okay. That's normal. Can I be honest with you? I'll tell you this. That's healthy. Because where you need to go as you're wrestling is coming to the conclusion that he's God. And he is in control. And he can calm the chaos. Actually, sometimes he maybe doesn't take away the chaos, but he gives you calm in the midst of the chaos. What do you mean calm? Well, isn't that what, what Philippians says? Chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I was talking to a lady yesterday. They were going through something, and she said to me, she said, I'm, 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 I'm panicking, I'm out of control, I'm talking to the Lord. And I said to the Lord, Lord, you said in your Bible that you would give a peace that surpasses all understanding. She said, I need that right now. And you know what? She said, God gave it to me. That'll change your perspective about God, won't it? You wrestle with it. 
you wrestle with who he is. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.